Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. I'm just so happy that we get to hand out candy again this year. Yeah, you know, it's so nice to see kids get a somewhat normal Halloween this year. Hand sanitizer? Ooh, yes, please. Trick or treat! Oh, aren't you cute in your little squid game outfit? Kind of a weird show for kids to be watching, but you know what? Super creative. Big handful of candy for you. Well, gee willikers, mister, that's a lot of candy. Happy Halloween. Thanks, mister. Happy Halloween. Oh, you're very welcome. So cute. Anyway, I think it's time we turn off the lights and, uh, you know, call it a night. Oh, it's just one more. Let's get it. Fine. One, One last one. Trick or treat. Oh, my. Well... Aren't you a little big for trick-or-treating? Benjamin Button Syndrome. Wait, no, I know you. Maddie, it's the Bushwhacker Killer. I thought you were in jail. You thought that would stop me? Andrew, run! It's episode 64, Halloween 2021! I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the fight, we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. In the movies. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you. What do we want? Justice! What do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. Hey kids, here comes Peter Pumpkin. For a safe Halloween, do what Peter does. Wear a light-colored costume short enough so you don't trip. If you wear a mask, make sure you can see. Makeup's better. Don't crisscross the street. Call on one side, then the other. Parents, set boundaries and a time to be home. Carry a flashlight for extra safety. And let's all have a safe Halloween. Welcome back to another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I am Maddie. And this is episode 64. Happy Halloween, all Happy you little Halloween. spookies. <laughs> can you believe it's Halloween already, Andrew? I can, but I, this is one of those things I just love this time of year, much Me like too. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's nice to be uh, recording with you today. Yeah, it's gay. You know, it's it's like gay Christmas. And, uh, you know, this yeah. is this is the best time of the year when the weather starts to get just cool enough. You know, it's not too cold. When you know you've got your favorite fall jackets out, mm-hmm. you're getting you can that sleep with the windows cracked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You're getting that fucking like pumpkin spice latte fucking action going on. Like you are fucking ready for it, no matter what sort of nonsense it feels like. And I have been feeling it this time Me around. Too. Like yeah. I, I feel great about it. You know, I think back to like, think back to last year. Remember, like. I think Remember that's how, probably I think that's probably why we feel oh so good about it this year. <laughs> like Halloween, God, Halloween last year was Halloween last year was a little tragic. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, like, look, we hung out together. Like, you know, our our quarantine hung out. 
um, which was wonderful. We had a great time, of course, except you know for the except for the end. We'll talk about that later, or, or maybe just not at all. Um, but, but regardless, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it out of this episode. Um, but you know, this year just feels so much more open. We can actually go do some things. We don't have to just hang out in just you know one person's house. We, you know, you can go kind of have a Halloween again. It's just it's really wonderful to feel. Yeah, there's definitely like more decorations out this year. Uh, I don't know if that's just the new neighborhood I live in or whatever, but it just yeah. feels much more, um, I don't know, environmental around me today. Yeah, I get uh, that. And it, it feels good. And honestly, the weather has been our typical fall weather. It's not like one of those anomaly weird years where like Indian summer. Uh, yeah. Or like it gets super cold early or anything. It's like it's been rainy and like 50s, 40s, which is like exactly what you kind of wow. want this time around. So, and even today is like a beautiful day and it's yeah. gonna be 60 degrees so oh, it's like wow. perfect yeah so, you know, strangely enough in ireland the country where everyone told me that the weather was going to be awful um the weather's been fantastic here <laughs> it's kind of insane That's and good. um yeah it's, it's wonderful i'm very happy for it um you know it's like today is like a typical cloudy day but for the most part it's been pretty sunny um and it is starting to get into that nice sort of traditional fall weather right now so 50s and 60s is what we've got here for the rest of the week um, which is kind of like right where I want it. So super exciting. Um, episode 64. Yeah. Um, it's episode 65 minus one. Um, I'm so weird. You're so good with math on this podcast. I know. Podcast. Thank you. I really try to show that off. Um, it's our Halloween episode. And our Halloween episodes, this is now, is this actually our fourth Halloween episode or our third? You know, I was trying to figure it out. And honestly, unless I go back and count, I can't remember. So it's either yeah. third or fourth. Congratulations. Well, yeah, we'll call it our third or fourth annual Halloween episode. This is the one where we typically get a little less serious and just kind of have a little bit more fun because, hey, it's, yeah. it's Halloween. So what we've got planned for you today is Andrew and I are going to read some spooky stories for you. Um, yeah. Really good stuff, stuff that you might want to, you know, play in the car when you're driving at night, or maybe if you're going camping soon, or if you're going to have a fire in the backyard, you'll just pop this on and listen to it right then. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got two great films uh, chosen for you that we'll we'll chat about. Both of us have some really good what you've been watching, bitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and yeah, I got to tell you, now that I've had a chance to watch both these movies, these are some quintessential Halloween movies. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Es- especially, well, I shouldn't talk about it yet. We'll wait until we get to that actual segment. Because first, we're going to talk about just two really quick certified terrifying things for the second half of October 2021. The first one, just thinking back, Andrew, to our interview, uh, our horror hookup with Matthew Scott Montgomery from Unidentified with Demi Lovato, um, which was a great interview. Wasn't that fun? It was. It was. It was really awesome and oh. such an unexpectedly um, wonderful show to come out of this uh, kind of hellhole that has been ghost hunting shows for the last oh my God. I don't know ten years or so. I totally agree with you. If you have not watched Unidentified with Demi Lovato yet, which is on Peacock, um, it is. It's. It's. It is surprisingly really fucking good. You should go and watch it and, and go back and honestly, listen to our last horror hookup. 
And honestly, it's only four episodes of like 50 minutes. So it's not a ton of your time. Totally agree. And they're fun. So get in there, give it a try. But our first uh, our first certified terrifying piece, but listen, it's not that terrifying. I thought it was kind of fun. Um, Demi Lovato, they have come out saying that uh, we should not use the word alien when referring to extraterrestrials because it could be derogatory. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is one of, you know, the, the preeminent astronomers of, of modern times, um, has responded saying that aliens, aliens don't have feelings. Um, and while, (laughs) while he thanked her, thanked them, pardon me, uh, for being considerate, um, that aliens don't have feelings and that we ought not worry about it. (laughs) This is such a weird thing. This is, this is why now the internet exists. So we can just have these kind of dumb conversations. I'll tell you what though, Demi Lovato, that sweet heart of yours, you just keep that heart sweet, baby. Cause it's, it's wonderful. And honestly, I think that's really all it is, is she's just trying to be sensitive. Uh, and, and, and sorry, they are trying to be sensitive and sorry for me not being sensitive. I'm still working on my pronoun usage. Um, and it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, alien might not only be, if you think about it, alien might not only be offensive to aliens, you know, but also to, you know, immigrants that we are using exactly. that language, um, to describe them derogatorily. So I think, you know, think about it two ways. It's not just this weird astronomer saying that, you know, ETs don't have um, feelings. I agree with you, Andrew. Now, our second one, a little bit more serious, and this will be the one serious part we talk about today, is the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix. Um, his latest comedy special, I forget what it's called right now. I, I had it in my head, but oh well. Um, it's fine. It, we don't need to promote it. <laughs> precisely. It is rank with transphobia. And uh, Netflix has just fired the black trans employee that was organizing a walkout next week from Netflix. Um, this, is th- this is something for me that has been, um, it's really sort of set me off. And it's it's made me start to think about the limits of allyship and sure. what what do we really mean when we say we are allies to the trans community? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? And I have been watching people all across social media just be terrible about this particular issue because all that they can do is defend Let me just point this out for you. Defend a very rich person named Dave Chappelle because, quote unquote, it's just comedy. You should just lighten up. It's just fun. Get over it. I think it's I think it's absolutely ridiculous. How do you feel about this? Um, I mean, you know, I have not watched the. I'm not going to watch the comedy special. I've never really been like a A big fan. well, it's not even like a, I, he doesn't really like exist in my comedy world. Like he's never been really like in my zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Fair like, yeah, yeah, fair I didn't enough. watch I didn't watch Chappelle show. I didn't I don't know. It just wasn't my cup of tea. I, I tend to uh, find humor more in like the dryness or in the sarcastic. And he's just not that kind of comic. Sure. Um, and so he just never. So when this came out, I was like, well, I was never going to watch the special anyway. I tried to do a little bit of reading about it. But unfortunately, with something like this, there are very few um, journalists out there that are going to write about this from a journalistic point of view. It's always going to be a point of view 
whether that's defending the the special or whether that's attacking the special. So it's a little hard to get context around it without me watching it, but I also don't want to support it and watch it. So it's yeah. kind of a double-edged sword of like where I, I mean, kind of lie what, with what, it, but I definitely am what, behind the trans community on this one, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. What, what I know about it is that he basically goes on a rant about like, boy, you can say the N-word in this country, but if you call a gay person by the wrong pronouns, then, like, you've, like, destroyed everything. Um, which, like, I, I don't think that's actually true, number one. Like, I think when we get into the business of, like, conflating different struggles and saying which one is tougher, yeah. I think that we run into problems really quickly. And I think one of the things that that I've been really proud of watching different activist circles over the past several years now is how much more real activists in America have become aware that our struggles are intersectional. And mm-hmm. so LGBTQ people and, you know, uh, black people and Latinx people and, you know, you name it, whatever. All of these groups that uh, of people that are actually serious about it, they've started to finally understand like, hey, we're never going to get there unless we all help each other. And hey, yeah, don't all yeah. of our struggles kind of fall on the same you know, guidelines anyway? Yeah. So it's been great to watch that. But then when you have something like this come out, it just fans the flames. And you know, at the end of it, he apparently like he justifies everything that he says. And he says he's never going to make another gay joke again. This is his last one. And he justifies it by talking about like a friend that he had that was trans that died. And so he like he has some like video tribute or whatever. People are crying, whatever the fuck. Let me tell you this too: the the oldest trick in the book is, oh, I love trans people. I've got a trans friend. It, like if you're not an actual ally, it doesn't fucking matter. And someone yeah. like Dave Chappelle going on the biggest streaming network in the entire world, making jokes about trans people, that translates into real life violence, and we should be really careful about that. And what I really hope is that, you know, big time people on Netflix, especially people in horror, like Mike Flanagan, like Kate Siegel, like um, like Alex Esso, all of our, our, our friends who are doing these big shows on Netflix, making them a lot of money. I really hope you folks actually step up and start speaking out about this because it's a really important issue. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. And just going back to your intersectionality of, you know, kind of have, I think what we have to remember is living in a capitalist society, everyone's fighting for the same dollar to help their cause. So, and there's only so many dollars out there to help with different causes. So unless we kind of band together and work together, there's always going to be a fight in a capitalist society to get more money to help each. Cause let's be honest here. If you don't have any money, it, your cause is going to struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just like the nature of how, how we work here in, in America. And I think that, you know, as activists start to see that if they band together, there's a lot more power because there's honestly a lot more behind you, you know? Amen to that girl. I heard, but anyway. I heard that. I heard that, baby. <laughs> Amen. Now that's a certified terrifying corner. Let's get on with the show. Yeah. So today we are going to take a little bit of a veer in our horror in real life. And I think we have some stories to tell. Uh, my two are more in the vein of a fear street or like a scary stories to tell in the dark, Ooh. that kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. what. How are yours structured? So mine come from Outside Magazine, actually. I, I did some searching. Like, look, folks, you know what I did? I Googled scary stories, right? 
Um, but I, <laughs> but of course, I looked for ones that I thought would be cool and, and ones that sort of were compelling to me. Um, Outside Magazine is actually a magazine that I really respect. Um, I read them now and then because I like to camp. Um, and they have this great article called Three True Ghost Stories for Your Next Backyard Campfire by A.C. Shilton. Um, read them all, and I really enjoyed them. So mine are a little bit more like true life stories, okay. um, but, but ones that you can still sort of tell around the campfire. So, Andrew, you've got two stories. I've got three. Mine kind of are, will be the same length as yours. I'm thinking maybe you read one, I read one. Does that sound good like that? Yeah, that's fine with me. Cool. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, okay, should I go first? Yeah, why not? Which one are you going to read? Okay, so this is the tale of AM 590. Emily sat in front of her computer, looking at the blank screen, watching the cursor blink. She fought boredom by braiding her long blonde hair that hung in front of her face. Her roommate, Andrea, talked to her from the bathroom. Emily couldn't hear her clearly, so she just ignored her. Are you listening? Andrea said, peeking her head around out of the bathroom. Hello, are you there? Yeah, uh, Emily said, not bothering to turn around. Everything in her ached. Her eyes fell heavy, and she could hardly move. She went to NYU, and her 40-page term paper was due in two weeks, and she had only had time or a couple hours of sleep a night. Only a couple hours a night, and she still had not started her paper. Sure, she would try to start it, but it just ended up deleting it every time. Why did I pick journalism, she thought to herself. Okay, I'm leaving, Andrea said. All right, see ya, Emily said, waving. As soon as the as the door closed, Emily fell from her chair onto the floor and lay there for about a half an hour before finally reaching up and flipping the power switch on her stereo and bumping the tuning dial, sending the radio into static. Shit. She didn't have the energy to get up and find the station, so she just reached up for the power switch. Instead of switching the power, she accidentally hit the AM-FM switch. We all remember those, right? Help me! Emily immediately sat up looking at for a body that belonged to the voice. Oh God, help me. He's going to kill me. A woman's voice said echoing in the echoing in the room. Emily looked around and still she saw no, the stereo power light was on. Kathy, let me in, dear. Now there was a different voice, a man's voice muffled slightly. Then Emily heard the sound of something breaking and a scuffle with little screams and shouts until finally someone fell to the ground. Goodbye, Kathy. Good luck with God, said the man's voice. Then Emily heard the static take the place of the video of the voices. At first, she thought it was a dream, but no one knew what she had heard. Someone had been murdered. Emily awoke on the floor and then remembered what had happened the night before. She got up and looked at the stereo. Still, the power light glared, but all she could hear was static. She got up and headed for the bathroom where she took a hot shower and got ready for the day ahead. She asked herself, what do I do about the evening's events? Finally, her mind had decided to let it go. What can I do? She said to herself. She couldn't go to the police. She had no evidence. And all she heard was something over the radio. Emily couldn't concentrate. And as she sat in her lit class, trying to put her mind into the lecture that was going on, she was frustrated about the night before, and all she could hear from the professor was mumbling. After class, she headed for a picnic table to sit down and collect her thoughts. As she, was, as she passed by the magazine rack, she noticed a newspaper's front page headline above a dark-haired girl, local student found dead. 
Emily moved closer to investigate, and she moved down the article and came her name her name caught her eye, Kathy Moore. She went to run, but bumped right into her boyfriend Alex. Looking at him, she saw how serious he looked, his dark hair hanging up over his forehead and his eyes duller than usual. What's the matter? You look like you've seen a ghost, he said, looking concerned. I have something to tell you. Okay. After she told Alex what she had heard, she and he, he after he she told Alex what she had heard, he couldn't believe it. Wow, was the only thing that he could say. Later that night, Emily sat in front of her Blake computer screen once again. She glanced over to her stereo. She reached over to the power switch and flipped it up. Oh, help me. God, can anyone hear me? Said a woman's voice, a different voice than before. Emily's already trembling body froze in terror. Her eyes widened and her mouth dropped open. She was hearing it again. The breaking, the familiar scuffle, and then the falling of a body. Goodbye, Selma. Good luck with God. The same man's voice said before the static once again took the place of the voices. Emily ran down the hall and burst into her roommate's room. Emily told Andrea everything that had happened, and of course the poor roommate just stared at Emily like she was crazy. The next two days were a blur to Emily, lecture after lecture that she didn't understand. Then on the third night, after hearing the screams and deaths, she could be alone. She couldn't be alone, so she had to go to Alex. Emily hopped in her car and shut the door to escape the pouring rain. She drove as fast as she could over to the apartment of her boyfriend. Knowing he was probably asleep, she used the key that Alex had given her for their anniversary. She climbed the stairs and stopped at his door. Hey, Alex, it's me. Let me in. No response. Emily took out the key and let herself in. Hey, Alex, you here? The lights were on, so she took the coat um, and wa- she took off her coat and walked down the hall to the living room. Hello, she en- as she entered the living room, and she heard as she entered the living room, she heard the front door open. Emily went to go investigate who had entered. She peeked around the corner only to see her boyfriend pinning a girl to the wall, kissing her. It was Andrea, her roommate. Then, as they were kissing, Alex reached into his pocket and pulled something out. Emily didn't know what it was until the blade popped out of it, a knife. He stopped kissing her, whispered something into her ear, and and started stabbing her violently. Emily tried not to make a sound, but she couldn't help but scream in the, in the, at the bloody sight. Alex looked up and saw Emily standing in the entryway to the living room. A smile spread across his face. Hello, baby, he said, standing up. Emily ran through the kitchen. She opened the nearest door and ran in. She turned around and shut the door and locked it. Open the door. No way. You're crazy. So what? Let me in, he said through the door. She looked around the room and saw a CB radio. She reached for the receiver and pushed on the button. Hello. Hello. Can anyone hear me? Then she realized it. It was happening all over again. The girls were murdered by Alex. The CB radio frequencies must have crossed with the radio frequencies. Let me in, dear, he said behind the door. Emily looked around desperately for something to use as a weapon. The room was empty, all except for the radio and a chair. Unfortunately, all she could find was a clothes hanger, but she decided it would do the job just as good. She straightened the curve end and waited. 
Not much later, Alex burst into the room. Emily sprang into action. She gouged the hanger into his eye, sending liquid everywhere. Blood poured out of the hole that had once been his eye. Ah! He fell to the ground, clutching his eye, dropping the knife. She ran as fast as she could through the apartment and through to the front door, passing by Andrea's dead corpse. The door was locked with a key lock from the inside. She ran into the living room to to a window and opened it. Help me, anyone, she yelled through the window, the empty New York alley. Alex then burst into the room, still clutching his ever bleeding uh, his ever bleeding hole that was his eye. He ran into her, tackling her to the ground. She had he had her pinned, and as he raised the knife to strike Emily, she gouged her finger into the bleeding eye. He rolled off of her, and she immediately got up and ran into the kitchen, looking for an, an escape. Seeing no escape, she then looked for a weapon. She picked up an electric knife from the counter and waited for Alex. He wasn't coming, so she cautiously moved into the living room. He burst out and tried to tackle her once more. But before he had the chance, she stuck the knife out and he turned it on. He ran right into the blade. Emily let the knife go as it tore up his insides and she watched him fall to the ground. He was dead, lying in a pool of his own blood. Emily called the police, and they took care of the rest. It was never proven that Alex is the one that killed Kathy and Selma, but he did kill Andrea and almost Emily, and he got what he deserved. A couple of nights later, Emily sat in front of her computer and wrote the term paper on her own experience. As she typed the last sentence, she remembered how it all started, with a scream over AM 590. Wow. Um, that Alex sounds like a bad date, huh? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should watch out for him. That was great, Andrew. Thank you. Did you um, like that? It was very good. Um, where can people find that story if they want to read it? Um, they're by the same author, so I'll tell you at the end. Okay, sure. Gotcha. So here is one from me now. Uh, once again, this is from Outside Magazine. This is from the May 2020 issue. Uh, the editor here was A.C. Shilton. And the storyteller for this uh, particular story, the first one, is Brad Culp. And this is the story of the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. When Brad Culp was a student at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, there was a rumor that the town was one of the most haunted places in America. When Culp started an on-campus magazine, he couldn't wait to write about several of the area's most famous phantoms. Not long after his story published, though, he kept finding himself thinking about one ghost in particular, the ghost of Oxford Milford Road. As the story goes, many decades ago, probably sometime in the 40s, there was a young man courting a young woman in a rural part of town. Because the parents didn't approve of the match, each night he visited under the cover of darkness. After her parents went to bed, the young woman would sneak out of her farmhouse and flash the lights of her parents' car three times. Then her young suitor would ride his motorcycle down the road. One night, he took the turn right before her house a little too sharp, says Culp. The motorcycle went one way, he went the other, and his injuries were so severe that he did not survive. Rumor has it, however, that his love-struck ghost still haunts the stretch of Milford Road. Curious, Culp, his girlfriend, who is now his wife, and a friend, decided to head out there one night to see if they could verify the tale— his girlfriend was worried she'd be completely freaked out. She believes more in that stuff than I do, Culp says. 
but he was mostly concerned that his suspicions that none of this was actually true would be confirmed. On this particular night, as Colt passed the abandoned farm, an idea came to him and he pitched it to his girlfriend. How could she not say yes? Though reluctant, she relented and Culp turned a short way into the farmhouse driveway. He killed the engine and he flashed his lights three times. No joke. There was a single headlight that appeared three quarters of a mile down the road, Culp says. You saw it start to come, going pretty slow. It kept coming and coming. And my wife was freaking out. It was coming closer and closer. As a collision seemed imminent, Culp turned on his car lights. He expected to see a kid on a bike bailing out from his prank now that he'd been caught. But there's nothing there. The light is just gone, he says. They got out of the car. They walked around trying to figure out what it was they could have seen. To this day, we still talk about it. I saw something I cannot explain, he says. If you get him and his wife around a campfire, they'll swear up and down that the story is true. And if you're ever in Oxford, Ohio, consider parking for just a few minutes on Oxford Milford Road at night to test your own nerve. And that is the ghost of Oxford Milford Road, writer and editor Brad Culp. Spooky. Ooh. What's your next one? Okay, my final one is called The Face in the Mirror. Eric led his little sister into the bathroom and shut the door. But I'm scared, she said. Just go, and then you can come out, Eric shouted through the door. Eric was brown-haired, green-eyed, and in the seventh grade. He was kind of small for his age and got picked on at school a lot. Alice, his little sister, who was now four, still had trouble getting to the bathroom on time. His mother and sister were leaving for Florida later that day to go visit his sick grandma. He wanted to go, but his mother didn't want him to have to make up all of the schoolwork. Okay, I'm done. Can I come out now? Alice said from inside the door. Yes, Eric said, opening the creaky old door. The house they lived in was at least 100 years old and was starting to fall apart. But his father just kept saying he needed a little elbow grease and hard work, and it would be as good as new. Yeah, sure. My elbow grease, Eric thought to himself. Eric, the bus is here, his mother yelled from the kitchen. All right, all right, I'm coming, Eric said, rushing from the kitchen, uh, rushing into the kitchen, grabbing his bag. See you next week. Yep. Bye, his mother yelled as he, she, as he rushed out the door. As Eric stepped outside, the sun almost blinded him. He ran for the bus and stepped inside. Several kids looked down and giggled as he looked for his best friend, Ryan. Once found, he sat with him. Eric noticed Ryan was... I'm sorry. Eric noticed Ryan had one of his weird magazines with him. Hey, Eric said. Hey, Ryan said, peeking, his rim, peeking the rim of his glasses outside of the magazine. What are you reading about this time? Something about the Wolfman or maybe even Dracula? Eric said sarcastically. Ha 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 ha. Nope. This week, it is about a ghost named Bloody Mary. Ryan said, laying the magazine on his lap. It's a woman that you can conjure up by saying her name in a mirror with all the lights turned out, Ryan added. And let me guess, we're going to try it, Eric questioned. You got it. I'll ride my bike down to your house tonight because my parents are home and your parents are out, Ryan said with an evil smile across his face. Right, right. 
Yeah, yeah. Eric nodded. Eric wasn't really into all this freaky stuff, but Ryan always managed to get him to help out with his little experiences or experiments, as Eric liked to call them. What time? Ryan asked. How about six? And I can ask my dad if you can spend the night, Eric suggested. Six it is then, and we'll conduct the conjuring at 6.15. Okay, Ryan said. All right, if we have to, Eric said depressingly. The day went slow for Eric, all babble going one ear and out the other. Then, after seven hours of school, the day was finally over. Eric went outside expecting to hop on the bus, but he was surprised that his father was waiting for him. Hey, I wanted to pick you up because you know I have bowling league tonight, Eric's father said, opening the door and hopping in. Okay, fine by me, Eric said, getting into the passenger side. The silence was never broken until his father said goodbye to leave for the league. Eric was watching the movie Scream when the phone rang. It startled him because the phone rang on the movie at the same time. A thought popped into his head that on the other end of the phone was a crazed killer about to say, do you like scary movies? But he quickly shook the thought from out of his head. He picked up the phone and after the second, he picked up the phone after the second ring. Hello, he said unsteadily. Yeah, I'm on the way. Ryan's voice echoed on the other end of the line. See you in 10 minutes. Then the other one went dead. Ryan hung up, had hung up on him. When Ryan arrived, he immediately took out of supplies and looked at Eric as if to say, let's raise the dead. They went to the bathroom and Ryan filled Eric in on the conjuring. We have to shut the door, turn off the lights and say the name three times. Bloody Mary, Ryan said, gasping for air. And then what are our heads supposed to spin and we spew pea soup? Eric said, cracking smile. Anyways, after she appears to us, the only way to send her back is to turn on the lights, Ryan said, ignoring Eric's sarcastic comment. Oh, yay. Let's get this over with, Eric said, closing the door. Ryan reached for the light switch and pushed it down, making the room fill with darkness. Hey, I can't see. Say it. Then in unity, they all said the name three times. As they echoed the name a third time, the room filled with a red haze. And as they stared into the mirror, their reflection was replaced by a woman with scraggly black hair and eyes to match. What? The woman said in a tone that sounded like dry leaves. Are you doing this? Eric said, looking towards Ryan. No, Ryan said unsteadily, just as Ryan went for the light switch to end this evil or to send this evil ghost back to her grave. He knocked a figurine that sat on the counter to the floor, smashing it. Eric kneeled down to see the damage when he heard the most awful scream, none like any human or animal for that matter. Then the sound of breaking glass and the mirror shattering. The last thing Eric heard before he fainted was the sound of Ryan's collapsing, Ryan collapsing to the ground. One year later. Don't let the boogeyman get ya, Alice teased. Shut up, Eric yelled back as he walked into the bathroom. He leaned against the counter and opened the medicine cabinet, not wanting to look at the mirror. After Ryan's death, Eric's family moved to a smaller town, trying to escape the horrors of what had happened 365 days ago. As Eric closed the cabinet and looked in the reflection of himself and looked in looked to the reflection of himself wasn't there. It was the same reflection he saw one year ago. Once again he heard the same terror scream and the same shattering sound, but this time it wasn't Ryan's body that fell to the floor. It was his own. And as he saw the pool of blood he was lying in, he knew that he was dead and that Bloody Mary 
had got him. The end. You know, Bloody Mary is one that you just shouldn't fuck with. And if you don't believe that after that story, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So on Halloween, you shouldn't do it because, listen, we like to keep our listen numbers up. Um, so <laughs> we don't we, want you to fall victim. We, we literally can't afford to lose one of you. No, I'm joking about that. Thank you, Andrew, for that wonderful story of Bloody Mary. Um, my next one is called, Was It People or Was It Aliens? Storyteller is Doug Averill, the retired owner and manager of the Flathead Lake Lodge in Montana. Doug Averill grew up as one of eight boys on his parents' sprawling dude ranch, the Flathead Lake Lodge in rural Montana. As a teen, the Averill boys ran wild. We rode around as a little gang of cowboys, he remembers. They'd saddle up and head off to check cattle on the three giant tracts of land the family managed which formed a triangle around some of the state's most remote rangelands. One summer in the 60s, the brothers came across a ghastly sight. There, on the ground, were three dead cows, neatly arranged in a circle. No obvious wounds were visible, but their reproductive organs had been removed. But there was never any blood. It was almost surgical removal, Averill remembers. During this decade, America was obsessed with aliens, and write-ups in the local newspapers posited that perhaps this was the work of extraterrestrials. People mused that aliens had taken the reproductive organs for testing. But one day, Averill and his friends came across a lance in their path. Attached to it was a cryptic note with a threatening message. That's when we thought, it's got to be people doing this, he says. Then things got really strange. Over the next few days, a series of odd events unfolded. First, the brothers stopped in at a local bar to grab a hamburger, leaving their horses in the back of a stock truck. The horses were packed in tightly, and the Averils were only gone for a few minutes. When they came back, the horse packed into the middle of the truck was mysteriously out, with no signs of a struggle. We had no idea how they possibly could have gotten that horse unloaded without unloading all the others, he says. The next day, a new wrangler on the ranch fell off his horse, and he was badly injured. They'd all been riding together, but not a single other member of the crew saw the accident. It was the weirdest thing, Averill says. The man's injuries were so severe that he was left permanently disabled. And finally, the last terrible thing happened. An old camp cook drove out to meet the brothers and ride for a day. But when he arrived, the tailgate on his stock truck had somehow gone missing, even though it had been there when he loaded up. His horse, Betsy, had fallen out of the truck and been dragged behind the vehicle for who knows how long. They had to put her down on the spot. To be honest, it just killed him to see what had happened to Betsy. We probably should have put him down too, remembers Averill. Those three events were just boom, boom, boom. Three things in a row that were so weird, all tied together, because they were right after we saw that spear, he remembers. Three things, like the three dead cows left in a circle. Averill used to tell the stories from that summer around the campfire quite a lot, but over the years, he's gotten news stories, and so they've been shifted out of rotation. Besides, they're awfully grim. 
but he recently got a call about a downed bull, a buffalo. It was out in one of the most remote parts of his ranch. A neighbor had seen a pack of 16 wolves, and normally, wolves don't bother buffalo. But 16 of them? I thought, well, maybe. He went to investigate, and there, lying in a snow-covered field, was the bull. But there were no bullet holes, or teeth marks, or gashes on its corpse. Even stranger, scavenging animals and birds hadn't touched it. Not even the buzzards, which is really unusual, he says. One other thing was amiss. Its reproductive organs were gone. And there wasn't a single footprint in the snow around it, or anywhere along the mile-long walk into the ranch from the nearest road. Ask Averill whether he thinks he's dealing with aliens or humans, and he'll tell you he's pretty sure it's humans. But I'd rather it was aliens, he adds. After that summer back in the 60s, seeing what humans were capable of, he'd pick aliens any day. That was Was It People or Was It Aliens by storyteller Doug Averill, once again the retired owner and manager of the Flathead Lake Lodge. Now I've got one more story to finish us off, and this is The Ghost of La Parva Ski Resort. The storyteller here is Drew Tabke, a professional skier. Throughout Latin America, you'll hear variations of the story of La Llorona, or the Wailing Woman. Sometimes she's lost her husband, sometimes she's lost her children, sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski spot in the Chilean Andes, the Wailing Woman is named Lola, and everyone in the area swears they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said he dated her, pro skier Drew Tabke says, adding that the ski patroller he heard the story from pointed at the exact hut where this tale takes place. The story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola and her young son plan to spend the day on the slopes. As can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose up from the valley, which often precedes the arrival of a storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another, Tabke says. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly, though, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding toward a rocky couloir. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. He was afraid she was dead, but on closer inspection, he found she was still alive, but just barely, Tabke says. Her body was covered in lacerations from sharp rocks, and the only word she said, in the faintest whisper, was her son's name. The lift operator worked to carefully pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best he could and then ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and the lift operator made their way back to his hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When they arrived, though, the bed was empty. Just the bloody sheets remained. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found, Tabke says. But local reports hearing her wail for her child whenever they're near that lift operator's cabin. And here's the thing. Tabke does not believe in ghosts. Something, however, changes when he arrives in Chile each winter. Maybe it's the fact that, from La Parva, you can see up to Cerro El Plomo, an Incan child sacrifice site. Maybe it's because Tabke has simply read so many magical realism books by authors like Juan Rulfo and Gabriel Garcia Marquez. 
but sitting alone in his cabin in the Andes, with the wind whipping and the candles flickering, he swears that every now and then he just can't tell if what he's hearing is a woman or the wind. And that is The Ghost of La Parva Ski Resort by storyteller Drew Tabke. Once again, you can find all three of those in the May 2020 issue of Outside Magazine by A.C. Shilton. Um, really great stuff. Th- those were fun to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, uh, the author of mine is uh, myself. I wrote those when I was 14 years old. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that. Okay, the listeners, I am learning that for the first time right now. You didn't tell me that, you little minx. I know. I wanted to keep it a secret. Oh, that's so cute, Andrew. Listen, good. Wait, how old were you? 14? Yeah. <laughs> good job, 14-year-old Andrew Huff. And also, you were really fucked up even then. God yeah. bless you. <laughs> It started early for me. I love the part where, like, like the part we started stabbing her violently. I can just see like, <laughs> like a little kid you writing that right now. Um, anyways, folks, I hope that was fun for you too. Um, let's have an even spookier Halloween as we leave this segment and get ready for what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we are back with everyone's favorite segment, What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch, you Halloween bitch. (laughs) That's right, you Halloween bitch. You heard it straight from Andrew. Now listen, here's what the segment is. We're going to tell you the stuff that we've watched, bitch, and that's how it is. So Andrew, you're first. Tell us. (laughs) <laughs> tell me <laughs> um yeah so today uh the first one i'm going to be talking about is uh in the the bloom house oeuvre over on amazon uh amazon prime um you know these movies right maddie this kind of like oh, series yeah. that old bloom house this is a factory of movies lately yeah so um this one is called bingo hell and uh bingo hell is all about a neighborhood that is being gentrified and all of the seniors in the area are trying to fight back against it and they all have a common bingo hall that they frequent and you know play bingo yeah, and sure. um and then one day in comes this guy very um needful things like if you remember when we watched that movie Remember Needful Things? Yeah. <laughs> we covered that in like our very first Christmas, I think. <laughs> no, we did. That's right. I love Needful Things. Keep going. Um, so he comes into town with like a brand new casino that offers bingo and the people go there because they're curious. And if you win his hand in bingo, you kind of get like a favor, which ultimately ends up being kind of like a monkey's paw type of thing. Um, and so the overall premise of this movie is actually pretty good. I liked the first half. Unfortunately, it kind of fizzles towards the end and kind of just doesn't go many places, which was a little bit unfortunate because it did have a great setup. Um, I can't recommend it, but if you are a Bloomhouse completionist, maybe this would be something you can put on your list. Um, but Bingo Hell was just, it was it was just not not great, unfortunately. No bingo for Andrew on that one. Now, my first one is You Should Have Left. Um, I believe this is on probably Netflix back in the States. For Europe, it's on now, on demand. Um, You Should Have Left is a spooky little horror film. It's got Kevin uh, Bacon in it. It's got Amanda Seyfried in it. Um, Category... The most unromantic couple ever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, honestly, though, the casting makes sense. Like, when you watch the movie, it will make sense for you. Oh, wait. You've already seen the movie, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot you saw it. Um, I guess, like, category for this one is kind of, like, haunted house slash, like, alternate reality kind of thing. 
Um, mind anyways, bendy. Yeah, mind bendy sort, sort of stuff. You know, I, I think the film mostly works, I would say. Um, but there's enough of it that doesn't work that I don't really want to watch it again. So I'm really just middling on this. Um, uh, I think that the story needed some more work. Um, and, and listen, it, it's, a, it's a tough story because any kind of mind bending thing is, you know, it's not easy to write. So I'm not like, you know, totally downing the writer here. Um, the basic story is they are a couple. They're, they're married. They have a child. Um, she's an actress. They finish, you know, she wraps up on some film. They're super stressed out. They're like, Oh, let's go to this house in Wales. And they go to this beautiful house and just, you know, a bunch of crazy shit happens from there. Um, you know, if, if you got nothing else to do, sure, pop it on. That's kind of where I was when I watched it on like a Sunday afternoon and it wasn't awful. Was it my favorite? No. Um, so, you know, maybe go ahead and do it, but I'm not gonna tell you to, or check on you if you didn't do it. That's all (laughs) I I remember. I remember when I watched this, I feeling like, ooh, there's some good stuff in here, but the overall payoff just wasn't quite there. I agree. If if the end, of course, I won't tell you the ending, but if the ending would have been better, I guess maybe I would have been more excited about this, but I just yeah, sure. wasn't. Yeah. My second one is called There's Someone Inside Your House. Um, this is on US Netflix. Uh, it came out about a week or two ago as like kind of their Friday night release. And um, it's a slasher movie. It is about a town where uh, it's it's all like high school kids. Like it's, it's that kind of a story. And um, a couple of the kids have secrets and the uh, killer wants to exploit those secrets before killing them, essentially. Um, and it's it, it's this movie. It's got a great little cast. It's actually well, pretty well written, in my opinion. Um, but it had this effect on me and I don't know if you remember this, but Maddie, do you remember when we watched sorority row? I do. Yeah. And we had a ton of fun with that movie, but then when it came to who the killer was, we were kind of like, uh, and like why he was killing, we were kind of like, what? Okay. I guess. Like, um, that's kind of what this, this movie is. It kind of got to the end and there was like some good gruesome kills and some fun stuff. And then all of a sudden it came to the reveal of the killer and I won't tell you who it is, but, um, it was just kind of like, Oh, that's an interesting choice for wanting to kill all your friends and your schoolmates and Mm. everybody. So, Oh dear. Okay. (laughs) How strange. Yeah. It was was a fun watch. I I will say I recommend it, but it's just kind of the, the ending is just a little bit strange. That's all. Awesome. My next choice is The Strange House. And The Strange House is also called The Scary House in German. Um, I think it's like 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 Das Verrückste House or something like that. Um, it's, it's, it is sort of like more of a young adult kind of film. Okay. Um, and it's really, really good. It's on Netflix here in Europe. I'm not entirely sure if it's on in the U.S., but um, if it is, I would highly recommend watching it. Um, it's sort of like a Stranger Things kind of deal, you know, that that kind of stuff. Um, I really liked it. Um, it is the story of a single mother and her two kids. Um, their dad died way back in the day. Um, that's not a spoiler. And the two kids, you know, they, they're moving somewhere that they don't really want to go. They're moving from Germany down to Austria. And, like, they're sort of, like, moving, like, out in the boonies, like, out in hmm. the middle of nowhere, so they get to this house and you can tell I've been watching some house movies lately um, and just things start to get weird. Go figure. Um, and they discover like, you know, this, this history of the house and this thing that happened and blah, 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 blah. And like the, the kids meet some other kids and they have to like all kind of figure it out. Um, and there are some genuinely scary parts to it. There's also some really like touching parts to it. Also, I would say. 
and also some funny parts to it. So it's a little bit of everything. I really enjoyed watching it. I, I think it's always uh, a lot of fun to watch um, scary stuff from cultures other than yours. Um, sure. So you can just get a really good sense of like, you know, other parts in the world, what's scary to you? Or like culturally, what are the little tiny things that you pick up on um, that 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 make it a, you know, quote unquote, scary movie or horror film or horror series or whatever. So I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun to see, you know, some really good young actors, too. Um, so that is The Strange House on um, Netflix. Cool. I'm into it. Um, I, or, or, when you said the name in uh, German, it just reminded me, I don't know if you've seen those um, TikToks or reels or however you watch those things, but of the different countries trying to decide on how to say things. Have you seen these? Oh my God, I have not, but I make sure to send that to me though, please. It's funny. It's like the the, uh, the English people will be like, okay, we're going to talk about um, how we're going to talk. We're going to say hospital. And then everyone's like, okay, hospital, like all the other ones. That's and then, hilarious. <laughs> and then like the German one is like, honken, jonken, lunk. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's really good. But anyway. Um, and, by, and by the way, just one more thing. I will say the real German name of, of the film, which is Das Schauriger House. There you mm. go. Um, so my third one is on Disney Plus, and it is The Muppets Haunted Mansion. Um, this is based on the ride at uh, at the, I believe it's in both Florida and California, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, this is about the Muppets, and it's Gonzo and the King Prawn. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, do you remember his name? I is it Pepe? Pepe, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, they are going to try to survive a night in a haunted house. And it's a ton of fun. It's classic Muppets storytelling. I think that it's probably the strongest thing that I've seen out of the Muppets in a while. And I, I've liked all the Muppets stuff. I even liked the TV show on ABC. I've enjoyed everything. Um, but I think that this was just had that extra little oomph of charm that we got in something like Muppet Christmas Carol. And I just think that this is the thing that we needed from the Muppets to like bring them back into relevancy and try to bring them back as like the, the Kings and Queens of the, of the holiday special, which I would love to see them tackle more because I think it's the perfect amount of Muppets that you need. It's about an hour, hour and a half, and it's not something you have to invest a ton of time in and you get that kind of nostalgia mixed with modern day and it's also a little bit scary which is fun this is something you could show to kids to introduce them to something kind of spooky or scary and it wouldn't freak them out too much so i really enjoyed muppets haunted mansion i totally agree with you you know i also watched muppets haunted mansion last weekend loved it um i love muppets in general just like you and i love gonzo um this one was a fun one you know it's it's wonderful to see a muppets musical again Totally digestible. Like you said, you know, you can watch this with your kids. I had a great time with it. It was wonderful. So good choice on you, Andrew. Yeah. Some great cameos, too. I love seeing Darren Chris, and there's a lot of good, great people in this. I remember when you first saw Darren Chris and you were like, oh, what a cutie. Yes, um, yes I do. <laughs> yes, I think we all remember that day. Um, my uh, next one is called Calm with Horses. Calm with Horses is an Irish film. Um, it has Barry, uh, Barry Keogh in it. Uh, Barry Keogh, you would know from films uh, like, uh, oh, what's the deer one? What was that movie? What's it called with the deer? The deer, deer hunter? No, it was fairly new. Um, oh, it's a weird kid and, and the doctor. 
I can't remember the name of it. Anyways, Barry Keogh. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> listen, he's a good actor. Just if just just Google him because I you, you know me. I, I can't remember a goddamn thing. Anyways, Call with Horse is a, is about um an Irish um it's about it's about an Irish family that is a crime family. I do a little bit of crime here and there in many many ways. Um, and they have sort of a crime of like, family who does a little bit of crime. <laughs> it just you know what? Let, let me live my life. Um, but they also have this sort of like strong man, right? So he's this dude who um, was a really good boxer in this make-believe town in in Ireland. It's 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 sort of like makes you believe that it's like kind of down by Cork, basically, like down down in the south. Um, and so uh, he's this really great boxer, but he uh, had this one match where he accidentally killed someone. Okay. And, he, and he all and he's just been like fucked up ever since then. And it wasn't because he wanted to kill him. It's just because like he's an incredibly strong person and he just fucked up. That's all that it was. But he's been like mentally disturbed ever since then. And so this guy, it's it's sort of like a movie all about him, really. And his his very interesting journey with like his his girl, his ex-girlfriend who, who he had a kid with um, his own like mental issues and why his brain just won't work the way he wants it to work. And then also like dealing with this crime family that wants him to do really terrible things. Um, it's a really remarkable movie. I loved it. Um, it's called Calm with Horses because the main character is indeed really great with animals and really calm with horses. Like um, the to, like the strong man or yes, yeah. The, oh, okay, the, okay. The strong man. Barry Barry Keogh is is in the crime family. Um it's a wonderful film. I watched it on Netflix once again in Europe. I'm not really not sure if it's on in the US or not, but give it a try. And if it's not, look for it somewhere else. Really love the movie. Um, you know, Irish film is just having a really great time lately. There's so many good films out of Ireland. And I'm saying that not just because I live here now, but because I really enjoy them. So if you have a chance, get out there and watch Calm with Horses. And more of a next, drama than you're thinking. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely more of a drama, and um, it's good. I think I think it's worth your time. Cool. So the last one that we have to talk about is one that we both watched, and I think pretty much everyone in the entire world is yeah. watching at this yeah. moment in time. It is das das Squid Game, yeah. Yeah. So we are watching, uh, or we did watch Squid Game. Uh, Maddie, what were your overall thoughts on Squid Game? Squid Game is wonderful. Um, it is in the same, you know, vein as Parasite, also out of Korea. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a extremely visual, well-made, brutal, brutal series. Um, and I think it's a really great, um, skewering of capitalism and the desire for money, 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 and also the way that we keep people sort of just tamped down, um, people that can never get out of debt, people that can never just have a good life. Um, you, know, you, you watch something like, skit, like, like, I almost called it Skid Game, Squid Game, um, and, and you sort of think about the times maybe in your life where just things wouldn't go right, you know? And what would you have done? If someone came to you with a solution and said, I'm going to give you a lot of money if you can just do this, if you can just survive this, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it too. Um, I think um, the, my, the strong points of Squid Game for me was the main storyline. So kind of our, our court about 10 yeah. people or so. I, I think that there are one or two storylines that kind of veer off that path that I didn't think were as strong um, or as needed. I would I agree with that you. They, yeah. yeah, I understand that they were trying to tell like a complete story and give it some depth and everything, but it just felt like 
when they would veer off to those other stories, I was like, no, no, no. Hey, what's going on with our characters? Like go back to them type of thing. Um, so overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if this is supposed to be a limited series or if they're going to try to bring it back in some way, shape or form. I think but. that they're going to, because, and, and I, I do, I mean, you know, if you watch the end, which look, we won't spoil it for you, but there is definitely the possibility of like some more content that, that, that I think could come out of this. Yeah. So I, and I, I would imagine too, with the popularity of this, like, come on, like, yeah. listen, we've learned one thing from Netflix this week and it's all that they care about is money because they don't care about trans people. So if they, if you give them a chance to make some more money, they're going to fucking do it. Yeah. Amazing cast. Uh, great main story. Like I said, um, some, you know, great eye candy, if that's what you're looking for, because mm-hmm. there's a couple of characters in there that are pretty good looking mm-hmm. uh, on both ends of the spectrum. There's some very attractive women as well. Um, and the brother, the brother was the one for me. Do you, do you know what I'm brother. talking about? Oh yeah. 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 The, Our, younger, the cop. The, the young, uh huh. Oh my God, I was in love with him. So for me, it was the guy who challenges him to the game at the beginning with the little. Um, oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God. So Andrew, this is the first time that we've liked someone, the same person. <laughs> it's happened before, but it doesn't happen often. But it's very rare. No, I agree with you. He is a sexy motherfucker. And it's funny, um, I did notice on uh, Instagram, people posting about when the uh, the main guy, when he was younger, I guess he was on some shows in Korea. Oh, really? And he was actually really good looking when he was younger, oh, too. What a little so. sweetheart. And also, I will say one more thing. Um, there there are very certain places in in just the, the grand Asian area that I, w- I would really love to go to. One of them is definitely South Korea. I can skip North Korea. No need yeah. to go to Pyongyang. Yeah. Um, but I would really love to go to South Korea sometime. The food, the people, the culture, I would love to go experience that. Yeah, so that is Squid Game. So in this uh, edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch, I had Bingo Hell available on Amazon Prime. There's Someone Inside Your House on Netflix, The Muppets Haunted Mansion on Disney+, and we shared Squid Game also on Netflix. And I had You Should Have Left. I watched that on demand on Now. I also watched The Strange House uh, or Das Schaurige House on Netflix and Calm with Horses on Netflix. And that is another edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Now, listen, go get um, go get like a, a really shitty beer from a cooler at, at like a teenage party, because guess what? We're going to talk about Night of the Demons next. A full moon, a spooky, deserted mansion, Halloween night. All right, dudes! And it does this. Let's party! Ten kids. All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, They'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. It's time for Night of the Demons. And Andrew's going to tell us all about it. Andrew, take it away. Angela is having a party. Jason and Freddie are too scared to come, but you'll have a hell of a time. 
On the night of Halloween, 10 teens decide to go to a party at an abandoned funeral parlor called Hull House. Rumored to be built on an evil patch of land and an underground stream is the place. While while starting the party, the teens gather around a big mirror to perform a seance. Big mistake. They awaken an evil force and find themselves trapped and taken over one by one. Now it's a battle for who can survive and cross over the stream before going to hell. This was directed by Kevin Tenney, written by Joe Augustin. The production company was Blue Rider Pictures. Distribution was handled by International Film Marketing. Suzanne is played by, or Susan, excuse me, Susan was played by Linnea Quigley. Judy was played by Kathy Potwell. Angelo is played by Amelia, Amelia Kincaid. Sal is played by Billy Gallo. Uh, Billy is played by Donnie Jeffcoat. Franny is played by Jill Terashita. And Stooge is played by Hal Havins. Rated R, this was released on April 27th of 1988. It comes in at 90 minutes, and it was filmed in Los Angeles, California. It had a budget of only $1.2 million and grossed $3.1 million. So this is kind of a sleeper. Um, this uh, has a little bit of a story behind it that we'll get to on why that gross budget is so low. Do you want to tell us that story now? Well, I mean, basically, there was no faith in this movie, and so it only opened in Detroit. Um, and so had it opened bigger, it would have earned probably more like 13 million and probably been seen as a bigger hit. Um, I think now, um, it's kind of seen as a, uh, what do you call it? Like a cult classic, if you will. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, that people probably discovered later on in life. It actually does have two sequels and a reboot. Um, Have, have you, have you watched those? I have I've seen the reboot, which is okay. actually uh, it's okay. It's not Mid-lane. great, but it's it's okay. fine. Um, if you want to see Edward Furlong again, you can go watch them. Oh my god! Oh my god! I miss Edward Furlong. Rest in peace, sweet um, baby. And um, it, and I've never seen the sequels. I, I've always Fair wanted enough. to. Um, I've heard kind of middling things about them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But if they're anything like this movie, it's got to be at least fun to watch. You know what I mean? Gotta be fun. Um, you know, um, th- this movie, I have a distinct memory of the VHS cover of it, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, well, if you're of our generation anyway, you remember going to the, to the, to the movie store where they went to Blockbuster or for us it was box office video. Um, and when you went into the horror section, for whatever reason, like I, I can see like, you know, like like the Angela, like, like on the cover of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that face. It, that it was like burned into my like little childhood brain forever, and I and was super scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I was I was terrified of of that cover. I never wanted to see that movie, and so honestly, I never did see that movie until this week. Um, oh, this so, is your first time watch. It was my first time watch on this. Oh, no, I didn't it, realize that. I honestly, it, it, it's sort of like I just kind of forgot about it. If I'm being honest with you, you know what I mean. It's almost like. Somewhere in my brain, my subconscious must have been like, oh, you're really scared of this. Let's just like keep it away forever kind of thing. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, so it was it was my first time watch. Um, I would say, you know, it's not like my favorite, but, you know, what what I tried to do here was really try to place myself back in the 80s, right? Uh-huh. Because, which I think you have to do with a lot of horror films and of, of, of this generation, I mean. Um, you know, like I, I, if, if I had watched this in the eighties or even like the early nineties, I probably would have like loved it. You know what I right. mean? Cause it's, it's, it is, 
it is spooky. It is fun. You know, there are characters that you can definitely get into. I'm sort of obsessed with Sal. He was, he, Sal is, I was actually thinking like if we were, if we were going to play hot of the episode, like Sal would have been mine for sure. <laughs> Sal, Sal Romero who dies tonight. I love that fucking tombstone near the end. It's hilarious. Oh, I know where it's like, uh, born 1970 died tonight, tonight. <laughs> right. And then they start screaming. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an eighties haunted house demon slasher, you know, big sort of just like melange of everything. Um, so it is a lot of fun to watch. It's especially fun around Halloween because it takes place on Halloween. Who, yeah. You know, go figure. I'm really surprised about the budget on this because, um, yeah, it, it was made in, in 87, I suppose it was when it was made. Um, but 1.2 million actually seems pretty low because they yeah. do, they do a lot of stuff in this. So especially with the amount of set and the amount of gore gags that they yeah, had, I'm really doubt. surprised with that too. Yeah. Because I mean, in the end, whether you like the movie or not is is sort of inconsequential when you consider like the the special effects, which are all practical, um, at least as far as I know they are, um, and they're all not bad. They're really not. Like I mean, even just like the fire suits alone for that one scene near the end, um, where Judy gets the idea to to mm-hmm. burn them with like the the gas hose or whatever. I mean, like fire suits, those are expensive because they have to be because they have to protect the person wearing them. Right. And yeah. then also hiring the actors to do the fire suit and doing the training. And, you know, I could just go on and on and on. Right. This is the kind of movie. It's, it's the kind of horror film, I should say, really, um, where that bill scales out quickly. So how they were efficient enough to get this down to one point two million is just mind boggling to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to get the vision of Susan putting the lipstick into her boob out of their mind. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, you know, so, you know, I was it's my first time watching it. Right. And so, you know, listeners out there, Susan, you know, becomes she becomes possessed. I think she's the first one to become. She is. She is. Right. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So she's the first one to become possessed by the demons of the house. And there's just this one part where she's kind of like off on her own in this room. And like she unbuttons her blouse because, of course, you know, you got to have boobs in a in an 80s horror film. And so she like, you know, opens up and like you can see like her quote unquote boobs, but you can totally tell that they're fake. Like, yeah, that, 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 that's <laughs> one thing. But that's also because I'm watching it on like my really nice TV. You know what I mean? Like Back in the theater in the 80s, you probably you honestly probably couldn't tell. But she's putting lipstick all over her fucking self. And then when she's done outlining her boob, she puts it into her nipple, like into <laughs> her nipple, inside her boob. I don't know if you saw, but in the trivia, the guy who did that effect, like brought her in to like do, you know, the the outline uh-huh. of it or the plaster or whatever. Um, they ended up getting married. No way. Yeah. So. Oh, it's wild. Oh, that's wonderful. So, you know, this for me is kind of a quintessential party movie. Sure. Um, this is something you turn on at your at your Halloween party and you kind of yeah. just let it play in the background um, because you can kind of come in at any moment and have fun with it. Um, I, I think that it's, it, you know, it's got the gratuitous crotch and butt shot right at the beginning. So, you know <laughs> what you're getting yourself into right away. Gratuitous crotch shots. Yeah, I guess that um, Linnea Quigley, she first saw this movie at a um, uh, a drive-in theater. And she once she saw that, she was like, oh, my God, I forgot that we filmed that. And she was kind oh of embarrassed. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, were you drunk, Linnea? What's going on? 
Um, I will say, uh, so if we're going from, you know, the beats of the movie, the beginning is kind of where we meet all of our characters. You know, we've got, you know, uh, Roger and Suzanne Raj. And, and Raj and, and Stooge and Franny and all these people. There's so many characters in this movie. There's, there's honestly, there's so many of them. Um, and then we meet our main character, Judy, and she, from the very beginning, they make sure that you know that she's the good girl. <laughs> big time she's the only one that will help the old man like she wants to go to the dance instead of the party like it's it's a little heavy-handed on like oh she's the virgin she dresses and and her halloween costume is alice from alice in wonderland right and uh, there was a really weird part though where uh her little brother scares her at the very beginning by popping out of her closet and his quote is oh bodacious boobies sis if they keep growing you'll have to hire someone to tie your shoes it's oh like, my god like, that's a little Jesus weird for a brother that's, to say that's so fucking gross but anyways um, I love that Su- the Susan is just so horny the entire movie, even so though she's a like, demon. <laughs> she she reminds me of myself, kind of, to be honest. I like when she is like us when they they just had stolen good. Angela steals goods from the convenience store, and they're going ready to leave. And um, she's like, "Come on, we gotta go." And she's like, "Relax, I just want to look good for the boys." <laughs> oh my god, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and I like that uh, when uh, her boy or her date for the night, um, Judy's date for the night, blanking on his name right now. Ted? Was um, it Ted? Maybe. He's not name? in He's not in the main cast, which is weird. Um, this, I will tell you, I tried looking because there were a couple of characters in this movie that I was like, I know that actor is from a yeah, different sure. movie. And the um, IMDb page for this is not very good. Yeah, and I'll tell you too, not just the IMDb page, but also the IMDb Pro page, which, by the way, I pay for. Um, It doesn't have, I'm pretty sure his name is Ted, and Ted's not in here either. It's so strange. Um, I like when his, the mom offers him the fudge logs. (laughs) Oh my God. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a fudge log. And they just, it, it's so funny. Even her son is like, mom, they just look like dried up cat poop. <laughs> like, oh my God. And uh, Judy says, I'm so embarrassed of my mother's um, cereal box cooking. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was totally a thing. Yeah. That's what we did back uh, then. Uh, I will say there are a couple of parts in this movie where I was actually impressed with some of the effects. There's specifically one where they are having the seance and you see the demon head appear. Yep. Uh huh. And and then um, the girl that ends up looking into it, she, instead of seeing her past life, because that's what we are supposed to be doing, is supposed to be a past life seance. She sees her future life, where she is smashed up against the glass, which is kind of scary. Um, and then the I think that when they break the mirror, the reflections of all of them in the mirror shot on the floor is really nice. Yeah, I mean, and and that stuff's hard to do. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it looks it, it, good. <laughs> it does look good. And, and it, it, it does take some real skill to do that kind of thing. And, you know, you, the, the other thing that I, I would say, too, about the film that that's actually pretty remarkable, given like the content of it is like is is the actual style that the director employs. Right. The director um, almost does like some Jonathan Demi kind of shit, like like kind of like getting close to people's faces, doing like sort of like circular shots um, so it was really clear that whoever was holding the camera was like, you know, going around and doing things or or they had built some sort of track. I was um, definitely it, getting Evil Dead vibes. Oh, that that. Yep. That makes total sense, too. 
Um, so, you know, that stuff is, listen, I I could blah, blah, blah all day. It's just saying that whoever directed it and what's her name again? His name is Kevin Tenney. I don't know what else Kevin's directed. Um, but Kevin Tenney clearly like understands like how a thing needs to be shot. And I thought that, I thought that was really good. Now on the flip side of that, there are some moments and like, look, I got to find something to stick a pin in. So here you go. Um, there are some moments where I'm also kind of like, eh, that was cheap. A great example is like when Raj and Stooge are bringing in the cooler, right? And this is something that's so nitpicky. So people are probably going to just laugh at me for this. But like they keep like asking me like, oh, where should I put this cooler? Where should I put this cooler? And I'm like, who wrote this? Just put the cooler <laughs> on the fucking floor. Like that's all you have to do is, I don't know, put it by the food table perhaps. It's, it's little writing things like that that really kind of drive me nuts because I just think it's so cheap. Instead, like, just take the extra, like, 20 minutes and write a way for them to come into the scene. That's all I have to yeah. say. I mean, this is definitely a movie that could be an hour and 15 minutes instead of an hour and 30. I would agree. Um, but, you know, we. In, but I will say, I love that opening credit sequence with that awesome song. Yes, um, totally. Uh, and I think that there's some actually, like, really good writing. I'm really in part from Angela and yeah, Susan. Yeah, sure. Susan. I love when Susan goes to take a stooge away and the, and and um, Sal can't believe it. He's like, what? Why would you take him instead of me? And she's like, maybe I'm in the mood for pork tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Just so ridiculous. Oh, my God. And just speaking of stooge, stooge is such a ridiculous character. And he calls every woman a bitch. Like, oh, I know. As many times. He's he's so bad. Um, Sal, Sal remains my favorite, although I did wonder why he sounded like he was supposed to be in the movie Grease, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> um, that that accent was just ridiculous. Um, but he, I thought he was really, really cute, though. It had it had been a couple of years, so I couldn't remember who lived at the end. Um, and I was really sad when Sal died because he did seem like I a, know uh, he was making better decisions than everybody else. So I wanted him yeah. to live, but. Yeah. In, in the end, he was a good guy. He really was. I did like how when he was talking to Susan and he was like, uh, you know, I'm not into this stuff. I live in a nice house with plastic covers on I the know, furniture. I know. And when she offers him the lipstick and he goes, I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like moments later, Ted walks in and Ted it's, is like, it's Jay, by the way. Oh, it's Jay. Is it Jay? Really? I oh. have it in my notes. Maybe. It's, oh, maybe there you go. Look. Well, then in that case, Jay walks in. And he's like, oh, I think you could use some touching up. Um, like he's such a he's such a goon, right? When he gets yeah, his, when he's he, super cute, though, <laughs> he he is cute. I'll give him that. But when he gets his eyes gouged out, I'm kind of happy about it. Uh, I do like when um, he I forget who comes back, but Angela has been fully taken over at this point. She's bitten off Stooge's tongue. And uh, she. I think it's I think it's Roger, actually, who comes back and um, she turns around and she's like, what? I was just warming my hands in the fire and her hands are literally oh on fire. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, I, and another, t- you know, people that we haven't talked about yet is Franny and her boyfriend. Yeah, um, they're I having love sex. Franny. Oh, my God. I love Franny. I know. I think everyone's got a little bit of a, a good character arc, as far, as, you know, apart from uh, Stooge. I agree. Um, but um, Franny gets her neck broken while they're having sex in a, a coffin. <laughs> but after God watching so her. many chiropractic videos on Instagram, I'm like, she kind of looks like she just gets an adjustment. <laughs> like it doesn't like he actually uh-huh. like, breaks her neck. <laughs> 
And I, um, I think Angela floating around the house is pretty awesome. I love those parts. I think it yeah. looks really good. Um, and I love her little saying. Her and Susan take the cake for me. Like, uh, I like how <laughs> when Judy comes in, Suzanne is like, uh, hey, how about an orgy with the guy who has his eyes gouged out? <laughs> and then she, Judy runs away and she's like, run, Judy, run. See, Judy, run. Like, they're just... Linnea Quigley takes the cake in this movie, from and, in my opinion, and she starts cackling after that. Of course, um, also her like her like demon monster face is pretty horrific in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got it, one of the worst ones. Ugh, it's full of like boils and like pus. It's, it's just that 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 one is is especially kind of disgusting to look at. But but by you know near the end of it, when when most of them are are demons except for Judy and and Raj, mm-hmm. um, you know their their faces sort of start to become. I don't know, maybe like proto orcs from from Lord of the Rings. That, that's yeah, kind of what it, that. what it reminded me of, right? Um, and you know, the 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 end sequence is really interesting to think about um, because you know you've you've got two people that are escaping, a white girl and a black man. Yeah, um, two and, of the most and, helpless people in this totally. entire movie. <laughs> oh my god! And you know, and they're then they're trying to help each other, and you know, they got to fucking climb over this brick are wall. They? Are well, they? Well, well, but hold on. You know, they're climbing over the, over this brick wall, climbing up fucking barbed wire. Like that's what they have to hang on to. Right? Yeah, but before that, and I just want to point this out because I think it's the funniest moment of the whole movie is where um, Judy and Raj are standing next to each other, and all of them are starting to come down the hallway to come and get them. And Roger yeah. just goes, "Oh fuck no!" and jumps I out know. of the window. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that part is funny. Um, but you know, in, in the end, thanks to Raj, Judy survives. Because he well, gets back up on that wall, and, and somehow he jumps back up on that wall. I couldn't quite figure I don't that know out. How? Yeah, because it does show him like land on the other side and just kind of cover up his ears, like he's not gonna yeah. listen. <laughs> yeah, but somehow he gets back up there. He m- motherfucker does it, and he gets up there and he grabs her hand and says, "Climb, girl!" And then she does. And then I will they, say, they survive I, because you survive if you can make it past Halloween night, which they right. did. I do say, I will say, I think Judy is the most helpless final girl I've seen in a long time in a movie. Without a doubt. She basically has one smart move, and you already mentioned it, when she figures out the incinerator and um, kind of uses the gas from that to set them on fire. Uh-huh. But other than that, it's a lot of her just screaming and yelling, I can't do it. I can't basically, do yes. it. Basically, yes. Yeah. But they get away, and you know it's one of those rare movies from the '80s where the uh, black character makes it all the way through. So you know, congratulations! Uh, and um, I love the a little the little side ending cracks me up. I don't know if you remember what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the the side ending is actually like my my favorite part of this because the 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 old man that we we briefly mentioned earlier, who hates kids and decides, aha, I'm going to put razor blades and apples this year. Um, Though he, it ends with him and he's, he's eating breakfast and his wife made a homemade pie. And so she calls out from the kitchen, how's the pie, dear? And he's like, eh, it's okay. Cause he's a, he's a, a little jerk. And then it comes out that she made the pie with the leftover apples from trick or treat. And as soon as he finds out his, his neck starts to break open and blood goes everywhere. And then he dies. It's and kind she of a comes cool over. effect because oh, it, it like shows the blood come up through his veins. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It's pretty cool. And then uh, she comes over and kisses him happy Halloween, and that's the end. Happy Halloween, dear. It was wonderful. <laughs> I love that part. All right. Uh, do you want to do our final takeaways and sure, give it I'd love our to. grades? 
Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like I said earlier, I try to place this 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 in the 80s in my mind and remember that I likely would have loved it then. But it, it was fun to watch this time around. So apart from Roger and Judy being ridiculously incompetent, um, this is kind of a perfect movie for your Halloween party. Uh, I would watch a sitcom called Angela and Susan Ruin the World any day. And uh, I, I had a good time. It's a good idea. Uh, for my rating, which we rate things here out of seven stripes with the stripes on the LGBT flag, I gave it a four. I gave it a 4.5. I think that this is just a fun movie. It's kind of hard for me to take super seriously and grade it as like a a real, uh, I don't know, a, a real kind of harsh critique because it's just not that kind of movie, you know? Yeah, I get it. So, folks, that is it for Night of the Demons. Give us a moment and we'll be back with our second film of the episode, WNUF Halloween Special. Don't check your dial, folks. You didn't tune into Transylvania's public access station. No, sir. Tonight is Halloween. Halloween is Satan's night. The night of the devil. Reporter Frank Stewart has a special Halloween treat in store for viewers tonight. He'll be leading a group of paranormal experts to the infamous Weber House. Do you know what happened here in the Weber House? Some people got killed. Their son went haywire. Frank Stewart and his team of experts will conduct the first ever live on TV seance. Evil works in mysterious ways, Frank. It's unpredictable. Are there any spirits in the house? It's scary. That, that's far out. That far out. Something strange going on in this house. Animal mutilation, paranormal disturbances, devil worship. Wait, whoa, hold on. This is not stage. Hello? Is this the work of the devil? Folks, we are going where no camera crew has gone before. Father, perform the exorcism. This is not some Halloween prank. The grisly evidence of the supernatural is real. Welcome back. It's time for our second horror in the movies. And today we are talking about the WNUF Halloween special currently on Shudder for all you people out there. Maddie, why don't you tell us all about the WNUF Halloween special? The infamous 1987 live broadcast. Originally broadcast live on October 31st, 1987, the WNUF Halloween special is a stunning expose of terrifying supernatural activity that unfolded at the infamous Weber House, the site of ghastly murders. Local television personality Frank Stewart leads a group of paranormal investigators, including Catholic exorcist Father Joseph Matheson and the prolific husband and wife team Lewis and Claire Berger. Together, the experts explore the darkest corners of the supposedly haunted Weber house, trying to prove the existence of the demonic entities within. Did they find the horrific truth or simply put superstitious rumors to rest? The WNUF Halloween special was directed by a lot of people. Here they are. Chris LaMartina, James Branscombe, Sean Jones, Scott McCubbin, Lonnie Martin, Matthew Mentor, and Andy Schaub. It was written by all of those people, and also Jimmy George, Pat Stork, Michael Moran, Carly Cooper, and Jamie Nash. Produced by Midnight Crew Studios, distributed by Camp Motion Pictures, Frank Stewart was played by Paul Farenkopf, WNUF announcer, who you hear a lot, played by Aaron Hankin. Veronica Stans, played by Nicolette LaFay, Deborah Merritt, played by Leanna Chamish, and Gavin Gordon, played by Richard Cutting, and a lot of other characters. I do mean a lot. We're played by a lot of other people. Just 
go to IMDb. Look at it there. Uh, this film was not rated. It is a really clean, perfect 83 minutes uh, released October 18th, 2013, filmed in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and there was no budget data available for this one. So WNUF Holiday Special, Andrew, how did you feel about it? Yeah, so this is one I've seen maybe one time before, um, but um, it, it is straight out of your childhood for us kids of our of a certain age. Um, these are commercials that we saw that are... And I'm telling you, nostalgia is king right now. But for some reason, these people knew the recipe better than anybody else, in my opinion. It gets it so perfect that if I were to find this just in a box somewhere or like at a garage sale or something, and I watched it, I might even think it's true. Um, I just think that it's done so well. Um, all the characters are so in and, in and of themselves, so genuine and of a time. And I just think that it's probably one of the more perfect Halloween things that we've gotten in a while. So what are your thoughts? I, I completely agree with you that this, this thing is the real deal. It is a complete package. It is so creative. Uh, the people that made this, like, like you said, they knew exactly what they were doing. I would have loved to have been around the planning table with them when they really planned so many things out for this movie. I mean, if you really break it down, there are so many components, so many things that they had to do to get this just right. And they hit all of them. It does feel like I watched this when I was like eight years old. Um, it, it's just like you said, if I found a VHS copy of it, I would have totally believed it. And actually um, part of the trivia on this film is that before it got released, they did a whisper campaign where they did just that. They, they, they made like sort of like ratty old VHS copies and put them all around this VHS convention in Pennsylvania. And they would also just like go around Baltimore, leaving them in like different places. That's hilarious. That people would find them and start talking about them, which is just, it's absolutely brilliant for this. Um, everyone in this movie is great. You know, it, it, it harkens on a lot of things. It, it, it even harkens a little bit like on like sort of like that Christopher Guest, you know, uh, sort of like like improv style, but done really well. Yeah, it um, never goes that campy, though, which I was it, really it happy doesn't, about. Right. It really doesn't. Like, you know, there are a couple parts where that, that are sort of funny that make you laugh. Right. One that I can think of right now is when they, they have the the live seance. And so they're having live live people call in and a woman calls in and says, can you talk to my grandmother and tell her she's a bitch? <laughs> yeah, I did like that. Oh my god, I laughed so hard; it was wonderful. Um, so yeah, this is this is wonderful. You know, just like with Night of the Demons, you know, the way that you said this is kind of like a good one to throw on at a party. If I was about to have a party on Halloween right now, I would absolutely put this on because people who haven't seen it, they would watch it and be like, "Oh, what is this?" and they would get really, really into it. Yeah. Hey, Maddie, what's a vampire's worst nightmare? Oh, oh, what do they say? Oh, uh, the dentist, the candy? Tooth decay. Okay. <laughs> Tooth decay. That's right. Yes. That was oh, a standout for me early on in the movie is when they did the uh, Dr. Stanley Allen <laughs> portion. So funny. And, and, <laughs> and those felt authentic, too. They really oh my gosh, really totally. Did. Yeah. And I think that it's even they even go as far as to even put the same commercials in more than once. Yes. Because if you were watching like 
a news coverage, you know, like on your local news back in the late 80s, they would have some of the same commercials over and Without over Without a doubt. Because there was only so much ad space to, to, to sell back then. Um, I just thought it was funny. And it, it, it does that fast forward thing at the perfect times uh-huh. yep. where you're like, you're kind of falling out of it. And you're like, I kind of don't care. And they're like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, thank God. I really didn't want to care. I didn't really want to hear about the gubernatorial race of 1987. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. You know, it, it, it does it. It, it does. It's all it's authenticity so well. Um, you know, I, I watched this a couple times. I, I watched it, you know, not too long after we decided that we were going to that we were going to watch it for the show. Um, and then I watched it like again. And I might even watch it like, like kind of like half as a third time. And I was like the, the, that last one, I was just kind of sitting on the couch and you know, I was kind of like doing something else and had that on in the background. It felt like real TV going on. It just, oh, yeah. it just felt like it. Um, and, you know, th- thinking about like, like, like the commercials, um, you know, they, they were really clever in creating a world for you. You know, oh yeah, like the um, mall and everything. The, the mall, you know, t- t- Tokens Arcade and Pizzeria. You know, the, you, you know the different stores because they talk about the different stores. You know about <laughs> the the different doctors and the different politicians, and you know about the car wash, and you know about this and about you know the the book club at the library. It, I especially it, liked the one where they're like just past the bowling alley, <laughs> right? Totally, and and even like the phone numbers up there and this and that, whatever. Just all of those things together. Um, this is, this is like auteur directing. This is like another, it's like another fucking level. Um, and you, you, you can kind of understand maybe why they did have so many directors because there were so many voices that kind of had to be taken in. I do wonder, and I don't know anything about it, but I do wonder how, as, as someone who's like directed plays before, I can tell you it's hard enough just doing it on your own, but it had to have been a real challenge to have that many voices in the room. And so I do kind of wonder, like, okay, who had the final creative voice? You know, yeah. like who, who mm-hmm. put their stamp on the things? That that had to be difficult. Yeah, I think it was funny. Um, there were a couple of the movies that other, like, movie of the week or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, man, I really want to watch Dog on It. And I really yeah, want to watch right? Sarcophagus. <laughs> totally, yes. Um, there, I think that my favorite character in this is, is uh, Deborah Merritt, who is the female character. Uh, co-anchor anchor yeah yeah she's just so funny because she's like uh they go through the one that's all about satanism and how the (laughs) heart the harvest uh, people and after that she's like oh i think i might need to go to church after that story (laughs) (laughs) that's so good that's so good and i like how they're talking about what their plans are going to be for halloween and she's like "Mm, i don't know i'll probably just stay in and play with my cats (laughs) (laughs) those little tidbits just they they really made them real um, and that, that's just a testament to the really, really wonderful writing that, that my you find. favorite, my favorite commercial was the one that was for big guys, small fries. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. All you have to do is prove you're not a convicted conflict, uh, convent, convent, or sorry, con, con convict, and you can have a kid basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's just so ridiculous. Um, I liked when they were starting to talk about the um, Weber house and they cut to kind of their story about it and th- how they describe people that believe in it. They're like local eccentrics. <laughs> now, now do you believe in ghosts? No, but I know who to call if they come around. Right. Oh yeah. Who's that? Uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, you're funny. Aren't you? <laughs> but if you, were, but that was like a thing in the late eighties. In exactly, the 80s. Yeah. You it, would it, like, you would be excited if your local news was like reporting in your neighborhood. Like, and, and, and there would be a ton of people there too. 
Um, it, it was just, uh, it, it was really wonderful. It, the, the whole thing, like for like such a weird little strange movie, um, it really kind of like touched my heart too a little bit. Like, I mean, not it, look, I'm not calling this thing touching cause it's really not, but like hearkening me back to my childhood and like Halloween's of old, like that felt really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, we should mention that they have a, a Warren type thing, like, the Warrens that yeah. help them. Um, it's not the Warrens, it's the burgers, but um, they essentially are the, are, are the same thing. Right. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when they're going into the house and he keeps t- asking her like, Hey, do you feel anything? Do you feel anything? And um, she goes, hold on, it'll take a minute. And he's like, it'll take a minute. Like, <laughs> We don't have to, we don't have a minute. This is live TV woman. Now, um, now Lewis, can I call you Lewis? I'd prefer Dr. Burger. Yeah. <laughs> if you laugh too. I also like when he was like, have they ever called you Claire, the clairvoyant? And she's just like, <laughs> she's just like, no. <laughs> oh, it's so good. The, I would say that the only weak link in this for me is, and there really is just the one is the guy who plays the priest. I, I think he's mostly good. And look, I get what he's going for, given the plot. I understand. Mm-hmm. But he's the only one that sort of lets it slip a little bit. He's the only one that here and there just doesn't seem super authentic. Now, that being said, he's also an actor playing an actor playing a priest. So yeah. There's a little bit in there that, that I could that I could, you know, that I do understand. And I see what he's going for. But he's maybe just like the only one that's maybe just like a little bit weak for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's maybe meant to be, you know what yeah, I mean? Possible. Like he's meant to stand out. Um, I will say the first time I watched this, I was not expecting the twist. I did think it was going to be supernatural. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting that it ends up being kind of this harvest society that's come to like take them down. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And um, I think the only weak part for me is just the overall ending. I wish we got a little bit more of an explanation, a yeah, little bit more. Uh, because they kind of just they 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 show everyone dead and they cut his tongue out for being a blasphemer, um, and then it kind of just goes to the end. Um, and I was like, oh man, I kind of want to just. I mean, honestly, I would have preferred the supernatural ending. Yeah, well, it's it's set up from the very beginning because we meet the yeah, Harvest Society very early on, and they talk about how if you play with you if you celebrate Halloween, your heart belongs to Satan. I <laughs> so. know. I mean, you know me. I, I want everything to be supernatural. So I, it was just a desire of mine. And I did think it was funny when um, they show the book of the uh, burgers, and it's called Abomination: The Devil in Akron. <laughs> Yes, it's perfect. Which is which is like also like that might as well be a Fred and the Rain Warren book. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's just so many things in this movie. I have so many things written down, but it's all quotes and like things from the commercials. Like I love when the two girls are playing tennis and she's like, what's wrong? Is it your tampon? <laughs> yes. So good. Um, yeah, I have that same grandma line written down too. I thought it was really funny, and that they try to do this serious seance, and literally nobody calls in seriously. When you contact my grandma and tell her she's a bitch, <laughs> that was, that's like my favorite part of the movie. I just, it's so fucking funny. They even do a really smart thing: is when things start to go really haywire, they repeat the dentist bit, like they yes. go to that again, and you're like, oh, they're just trying to stall for time. I thought that that was really smart. Um, I do like how. As the movie goes on and we're supposedly getting more into a quote unquote late night, the commercials start to get more adult. 
like there's yes. strippers and like sex lines and things like that. I thought it was a, a, a natural progression into late night TV, which was really funny. Just once again, I mean, I, look, I, I don't mean to keep like blowing smoke up their asses, but I mean, once again, that's just such a high attention to detail. I mean, like yeah. what other, what other films have you seen recently that have that much attention to detail? Gosh, I can't even tell you. This must this, this truly must have been a labor of love for somebody, and it, and it must have taken them ages to do it. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to believe that this is a 2013 movie. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I remember 2013. I almost can't remember it to be honest with you. Um, I and I do think it. The very very end is very funny. It's that she takes the final gulp after they're saying that they don't know what happened to Frank, yes. and yeah. she, she takes her final gulp and looks into the camera and she goes, "Well, Christmas is right around the corner." <laughs> yeah, so good. It's perfect. But yeah, I I was just hoping for a little bit more of an explanation, but I'm fine with the way it is, to be honest. Same thing here. What's your final uh, takeaway from this one? Uh, my final takeaway on the WNUF special is if I found this VHS in my parents' attic, I think I think I would think it was true. They hint on the vintage perfectly. And like I said, my only complaint is I wish we had a more of a complete ending. And for me, it's just a big gusher here. I love this movie. It's creative. It's fun. 100% unique and so fun to watch. And I gave it a six. I gave it a five just because it's so short. It's hard for me to like get super excited about it but um it is a really fun watch right around halloween so i gave it a five fair enough andrew so that's our final film of the episode now one more little break and when we come back we're gonna close this puppy out halloween is coming my favorite holiday i give my friends something special nestle bars they're made with real milk chocolate and in the spirit of the season here's what nestle is doing for me I get a dollar refund with every two specially marked Nestle mini bags and a dollar's worth of coupons in every specially marked Halloween pack. There are my friends now. Oh. You scared me. Nestle bars. Get real savings on real chocolate from Nestle. And we're back to close out our show. But first, we're going to play a little game of trick or treat. And the only way that you get the treat is if you guess what it actually is. So, Andrew, here's what we're going to do. All right. I'm going to read you a candy bar description and you're going to okay. guess what it is. Pretty simple. And then you'll do the same for me. Sound good? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So easy. So this one, the first one, it's a layer of chocolate nougat covered with a layer of soft caramel and the whole thing coated with milk chocolate. It begins with a chocolate taste, develops a caramel note, and ends with a strong chocolate finish. What is it? Okay, this is one of two. Um, it's either a Three Musketeers or a Milky Way. Hmm. The caramel, I think, is what is changed. So I think it's a Milky Way. You are correct, sir. It is a Milky Way, and it is the caramel that defines the Milky Way. Okay, the next one that I have for you is... It has a core of firm caramel coated with peanuts and then chocolate. A dark layer can be seen between the caramel core and the milk chocolate coating. Okay. If it's peanuts, um, my mind goes instantly to Payday, which is one of my favorite candy bars, and also to Baby Ruth, um, and also to Snickers, of course, but this is not a Snickers. Um, this is not a Payday because Paydays don't have chocolate. So this is a Baby Ruth. Correct. Oh, yes. We are getting this fucking candy. Um, okay. Now, this one is definitely a little bit harder. 
Um, this is, uh, okay. It consists of a slab of very sweet vanilla flavored white nougat covered with milk chocolate. The nougat is so chewy, uh, kind of a little bit tough. It's a little bit more like taffy maybe. There's a definite vanilla note, but that's quickly overpowered by its sweetness. I know what this is, but I can't think of the name of it. I want to say it has a red wrapper. You're close. I, I gave you a hint within the, the description with one word. Oh, gosh. I actually like this candy bar, too. The nougat is so chewy. Oh, a Charleston chew. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. All right. The next one is... Introduced in 1966, I almost said 1906. <laughs> Introduced in 1966, this bar has a very firm, dark caramel center okay. coated with milk chocolate and crispy rice. Okay, so if it's very firm, I mean, it's 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 got to be. It's almost like a little bit. It's a little bit hard, but it can't be that hard, of course. It's and it's not. It's not. It doesn't like snap, so that's not what it does. It has rice, which I love candy bars with rice in it. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that it's my favorite candy bar, which is, well, actually, it's my second favorite candy bar. I lied to you, which is the hundred grand. It's correct. Good job. Oh, my God. We're doing this. Okay, Andrew, one last one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. This bar came out in 1932 and was given its name because at that time it had three flavors of nougat. Uh, God, I didn't, I didn't know this. Uh, that, that's crazy. Chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. The Mars company switched to the single chocolate nougat filling in 1945. So started in 1932. It originally had three different flavors, which would be fucking awesome if they had just kept that. Um, they switched to the chocolate nougat filling in 1945. It's got to be three musketeers, right? You got it, baby. Three fucking musketeers. Okay, now God, that makes you, so much more sense. Did you know that about the other the other flavors? No, but that makes a lot of sense, and I want to know. Why didn't they just keep that? That was so stupid. It must have been too expensive or something. Um. Anyways, folks, that wraps up our Halloween 2021 episode. Extravaganza. Can you believe it? Uh, I hope you guys had a lot of fun. I hope your Halloween is amazing. But before we let you go, we've got a few things to cover. Andrew, kick us off. Yes, as always, we are part of the Dread Podcast Network. Um, some exciting things coming to Dread soon, so stay tuned yeah. for some cool announcements. Um, you can call our Friday hotline at 872-208-3119. I promise we will play those one day. <laughs> yeah, and we, we've, had, we've had some really great recent calls, too. So if you haven't had a chance to call in, I'd say do it. Maybe, maybe we can fit them in the next episode, do you think? Yeah, it's just sourcing them. It's for 65. Go email and yeah, figure yeah, yeah. it out. Um, folks, also, if you want to support our lovely little independent podcast, you can. Uh, you can become a patron on Patreon. You can also buy merchandise from us, and you can do those both at our website. Go to frygay13.com slash support. That's frygay, F-R-I-G-A-Y 13.com slash support. We're also super happy about our newest patron, David Solomon. How about that, David Solomon, huh? Andrew, yes. does David owe us anything right now? Uh, no, he has given us everything that he needs. Okay. We actually owe him a ton of stuff. So uh -huh. David, well, sorry, we owe you a lot of things. Uh, they will be coming. Um, we will do your movie in the next episode for what you've been watching, bitch. Out. And I owe you some, uh, some, some stuff. So and, more and, to come on that. And folks too, as always, uh, look, your, your word out there is what gets other people to listen in and, and join in the fun. So if you have not told a friend yet, do that. If you have not tweeted about us yet, 
do that too. Tag us. It helps. Uh, and also leave a review. If you haven't left a review yet, and there are many of you out there, your reviews are what really bring new listeners in. So wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a review there for us. We would really appreciate that, especially at Halloween time. It's a great time to go tell people the scary podcast that you are listening to. And also, when you do that, don't forget that to tell them to also go out and get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP.